0: Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. Hi, welcome back. So I'm so excited for this episode this week. I had the opportunity to continue my conversation from last week with Rachel. We talked about intuitive eating last week. Make sure to listen to that episode. Super interesting, super insightful. Um, and today we're going to talk about eating for one. So Rachel is a 28-year-old dietitian and 28 as of today. Today's her birthday, so join me in wishing her a happy birthday. She works in Brooklyn, New York, and works about 35 hours a week as a dietitian and also teaches a weightlifting class. She likes to hike all over the world and will stop to pet every dog that crosses in her path. Rachel has a couple tips for cooking for one. She encourages people to, and also does it herself, but, It likes to experiment with ways to use an ingredient in different recipes. She likes to pick a vegetable and then plan recipes around using that vegetable so that vegetable doesn't rot. Uh, She also is a huge advocate of giving yourself permission to try different foods and to give yourself permission to eat out if you want to. Also, she loves her rice cooker and recommends getting one if you don't have one already. And also had a great tip to batch cook ingredients while doing laundry or other things around the house. And her favorite recipe resources are the Meal Lime app and Minimalist Baker. And let's get right into the episode. All right, Rachel, thanks so much for joining me for another episode. I'm really excited to talk to you about your experiences cooking for one, especially with your background as an intuitive eating dietitian, which we just talked about in last week's episode. And if you haven't listened to it, absolutely have to listen to it. It was, it was a great one and we both really enjoyed it. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. Thanks so much. So let's start out. Tell me a little bit about your favorite food memory. Okay.
1: It's hard to choose because I love food. Yeah. Um, but I think my favorite food memory was a meal that I had at a restaurant, a very fancy restaurant called BLT Steak in New York City. Um, and I had a friend who was a waiter there and he invited me to eat there. And I was like in high school, I don't know fancy restaurants. So I was like, okay, great. Um, and they, because he worked there, they gave us so much free food and we're talking like Wagyu beef, which I had never heard of Whoa. before that. And, yeah. And it was the most delicious meal i would ever had. And just, I just remember being so blown away by the different flavors and textures and the meal went on forever. They brought out all these courses, but I think my favorite part too was that at the end of the meal, even though I'm sure this was so tacky, a 17 year old me was like, can I box up all of this free food and bring it to my parents? <laughs> <laughs> and, they let me, they let me take like probably $200 worth of food home in boxes Um, and just seeing my parents' faces because we, I, we didn't grow up eating out like that and we could never have afforded to go to that restaurant Um, and it just brought me so much joy that I got to enjoy that food but then I also got to bring it back for my parents who never would have been able to experience it really and watching them have it was honestly more fun than getting to experience it myself
0: that's so fun. I, similar, um, my, well, as my mom always says, like, I can cook anything better at home than we can get, which is, I would say mostly true, but there are those special meals that like, no, you know, you just can't make at home. But yeah, I, fancy meals were, I don't even, I don't even know (laughs) growing up. So I, I I mean, I'm a grown woman and
1: have not eaten anywhere as fancy as this restaurant. Oh yeah,
0: that's it. That's it. That was a pretty early experience and that's hard to compete with that. (laughs) That's so interesting. It's fun to hear people's experiences with food because I feel like a lot of it has to do with just like how delicious the food is and like the company a lot as well. And so just to be able to experience, um, really awesome food with people that, you know, you're good friends with or, or family members is, um, those are memories we never forget. Definitely. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about cooking. Do you like to cook? Do you, what, what's your relationship with cooking like?
1: I love to cook. And I would say that's only been true since I moved out on my own. Mm-hmm. I think I never used to really like it, uh, it took too much time I thought. Um, and now that I, am on my own um, cooking for myself. I really love it. And I love that I've reached a point where I'm able to kind of figure out what flavors go well together without a recipe. And that to me, reaching that point, I think brought me most of the joy because once I didn't need to follow something exactly, it became so much easier to create dishes and to know, you know, this is missing something. I know that this will
0: fix that. uh, And that really just made me love it so much more. That's so interesting. I <laughs> through this episode and the last one, we have a lot in common in terms of like our our feelings about food and um I feel the exact same way. I like we talked about in the last episode my mom is a fantastic cook as you said that yours is, but the way that like her type of cooking is following recipes pretty much exact, um, or at least focusing more on following those recipes. And I, you know, like I'm not going to go to the grocery store and buy an ingredient that I'm not going to use again. And it's, you right. know, for like multiple reasons, but that has forced me to get creative. And that's like you said, that's the best part about it because it, I feel, it feels way less stressful for me, which Definitely makes it so much so more much less stressful. Yeah. And just to be able to like, eh, you know, whatever, kind of play it by ear. Yeah, actually, I think the stress is a huge, huge part about it that makes it so much more enjoyable. I 100% agree. And I think, too, once you feel like you've gotten the hang
1: of it, then you want to show other people how good you are at it. And that is so validating. When someone says that you're good at cooking, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm real good at this.
0: Yeah. And I think too, just knowing, just kind of having that mindset, um, because when you share food with others, it, it's such a wonderful thing, but it's also super nerve wracking Mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, there's like a lot of expectations, especially if they know that you are a good cook, but I, I don't know. I feel like that experimentation, it gives, I don't know, through practicing that I feel less stressed about making sure that everything is perfect. Like, oh, you know, this Definitely. didn't turn out great. Or as Ina Garden says, just like, don't, don't make any excuses. Just give food and it's, you know, you don't need to explain yourself, which I'm working on. But I don't know. It you <laughs> Absolutely. <got too. laughs> and I think also I'm spoiled in the sense that I
1: live in a city where if it's 4 a.m. and I mess up my cooking, there will be a restaurant open for me to
0: order a backup plan. <laughs> that's so true. I do not live in a city where that's the case at all. I don't, <laughs> there's not much open um, after like midnight or 1 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about cooking for one. Tell me about what you enjoy about about that
1: yeah i think well i think my favorite thing about cooking for myself is that i just get to cook whatever i want and i don't have to to cook anything for anyone else's palate uh so if i want you know if i want to eat the same stew three weeks in a row no one says anything about it because just me (laughs) um and i think also cooking for one has been a very interesting experiment in figuring out what ingredients will go in multiple different recipes because it's easy for food to go bad if you're not using it right away and it's easy to get tired of the same thing if you make something too many times. And so I think it's been very exciting to try to figure out, okay, this flavor goes well in this type of dish.
0: It's like I'm putting together a puzzle. It really is. That's a good way to put it. And I think, um, that is something that's really common with people cooking for one. Cause if you, if you make a normal recipe, it's going to be for four to six people <laughs> and that's yeah. four to six meals, excuse me, that you're eating. And that's a lot. It's really easy to get tired of that. But at the, like on the other end of that, if you're making it like one serving then you're probably have leftover ingredients and then what do you do with those? So right. that's a common struggle and I think it's a good thing to be aware of because then you're able to then decide, okay, well this is what I'm going to do with this leftover whatever. Definitely. And
1: my favorite thing to do, I think is to pick a vegetable I'm in the mood to eat and then figure out what dishes it tastes really good in and then see what other ingredients go in those dishes and see if they cross over uh, and then go out from there because I find that if I don't pick the vegetable first, I might not eat it. (laughs) So I've really got to go in thinking about which vegetable I want to eat because I want to eat them, but those are usually the first thing to go to the wayside when I'm not in the mood to, to plan my meals.
0: That's such a good point. I I haven't thought about that way about it that way, but I think that's really smart because I encourage people, you know, who are cooking for one to just focus on one or two vegetables because it it, it can get so overwhelming. And, you know, honestly, I feel like most of them will be good in most things, you know, in general, Mm -hmm. but yeah, kind of basing meals around a vegetable is a really great way and being able to find like totally different recipes. Um, is that kind of something that you do? Sometimes it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, depending on your way, which is nice, yeah.
1: Say, yeah, depending on what I can do. And I will say that there are some great apps that will help with this, and I think that's how I started was using, like, apps like uh, Mealime is great. Um It's M-E-A-L-I-M-E, mm-hmm. like the, the words meal and lime smushed together. Yeah. Um, and you can put in all your food preferences, and it will create recipes, and you can – you can click on them, and then it creates, like, a shopping list for you. And I, I used that to start kind of figuring out, okay, these things taste good in dishes together. And just those types of those little services that can help make it easier for you so you don't have to suddenly launch into meal planning or figuring out flavor patterns all by yourself.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that's really overwhelming for people. So I interviewed Julie, who was a dietitian as well, um, early on. I don't episode, like nine or 10, I want to say. And we talked about feeling comfortable in the kitchen, but I think that's a, a huge barrier for a lot of people is, you know, like, Oh, okay. Well, what tastes good with what, what, you know, what ingredients can I use in multiple recipes that'll work? And then also how can I flavor this, you know, whatever ingredient. And that's, um, so yeah, to be able to learn how to do that and, a good place to start is finding recipes. (laughs) Yeah. Finding recipes. And there's a great book also
1: called the flavor Bible, which basically just takes you through like every food item ever and tells you what foods it pairs well with and what flavors it goes well with. And that's kind of nice to have in your house too. So if you're like, Oh, you know, I'm eating this food. What, what things does it taste good with? That book will tell you.
0: Yeah. I am looking at that book right now and it's fantastic. It's a really great way. If you feel comfortable or if you like to get creative in the kitchen, it's a good place to get started because you know that, yeah, like these ingredients should taste good together and you can just kind of go from there. Definitely. So let's talk. How about the other side of things? Are there things about cooking for one that you don't like so much? Yes. I hate doing my dishes, but oh, I, same. <laughs> I have a dishwasher in my
1: apartment and it is the first time I've ever had one. And oh. it is a godsend. It's the nicest um, ever. I'm the opposite. It's this the is the best first best time I, I, ever. I haven't had one. <laughs> I didn't grow up with one and having one now I'm spoiled. I can't go back. Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel the same <laughs> So way. I don't like doing my dishes. um, I think that's probably the only thing that I really dislike because honestly, even in the days where I'm like, I don't feel like cooking, no one's
0: depending on me to cook and that's really nice. Yeah, it is. It's really nice because I, at least for me, I feel like the best thing about it is you can go on your own schedule. So, you know, you get home late from whatever and you're just not feeling up for anything. You can have cereal if you want and that's totally fine. Or if you're like kind of hungry and you want to like spend time, like last night I had all these mashed potatoes that I wanted to make into gnocchi and I was like kind of hungry, but I, you know, it took about an hour to make it, but it was, I turned on music that I liked and it was just, it was fun. So it is, it's nice to not have to have anybody else's expectations in there too.
1: (laughs) Definitely. But I think, yeah, I think the dishes are the only thing I really dislike um, because I don't tend to eat the same thing often. So I think I've, I've found my way around that, that, that problem of being bored with the food.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, is there anything else that you do other than just finding ways to kind of use that vegetable in different um, recipes to, so you're not cooking all the time, but also not eating the exact same thing over and over again?
1: Yeah. I think over time I've found a couple of recipes that I know I will always, always like, and they're easy recipes and I could eat them every week without having a problem and so I kind of cycle through some of those if I'm not feeling super creative mm-hmm. um, and that took me a while to build up you know I try uh, try recipes and every once in a while I'd find one and I was like oh yeah I could eat this forever um, and so I keep those in my arsenal and then you know honestly it's okay to order out a couple times a week and that's how I keep things you know if you can afford it it's okay and there's no need to feel guilt i eat out probably like once or twice a week and it keeps things really interesting because then i don't have to cook for every single meal
0: yeah yeah i think um i think there's a lot of expectations and also shame and guilt that is goes with eating out and i think you know i mean there is a place for reducing that if if um, money is a concern, which I think for most of us it is to some extent. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's a great op- It's a great option. And I mean, you live in New York City, like there are, the options are yeah. endless there. And so you yes. can have something and, different.
1: And the cost of food here is also very expensive so that sometimes even ordering out is a little bit cheaper for me depending on where I go because uh-huh. I can make a meal or two out of it. And if I'm really strapped for time it's going to be a lot more cost effective than if I bought a bunch of ingredients and didn't get a chance to cook them. So it's okay to do that. And I think that's what helps me keep it interesting. But even when I'm cooking on my own, I usually have a couple of solid recipes I cycle through. And then if I'm, if I have time and I'm feeling exciting, I'll find new ones that week. If not, I'll stick to the, the tried and true. Uh, And then I'll usually, I'll get like foods that are easy to prepare, like a frozen veggie burger. And then I'll sort of build a meal off of like, things I can put around it that make it a little bit more balanced.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. So what are those easy recipes that you love? Uh, they're
1: all from Minimalist Baker, basically,
0: because uh-huh. <laughs> I love her blog.
1: Everything is, like, super simple, one pot, one pan, under 30 minutes for for a lot of the recipes. And my favorite recipe there is this cauliflower chickpea curry. Okay.
0: Um,
1: it's basically just ginger, shallots garlic, Thai red curry paste. It's not spicy. It's like a savory curry paste. I
0: love that. Yeah.
1: Yes. And then you just put it in there with some coconut milk, uh, cauliflower and chickpeas. And that's basically it. And it is so delicious. I don't even need the recipe anymore. I just make it. If I'm ever in a rut, I just go out and then make it and it last for a couple of days. And it's, it's the best.
0: That's awesome. I literally have all of those ingredients in my pantry. So I'm going to have to make them next week. (laughs) That sounds really good. It's fantastic. You will not be disappointed. That's awesome. Yeah. And so do you, um, kind of change that up at all? Or is that you just like it as it is and you don't get bored with it? I haven't gotten bored of it yet,
1: but I think if I were going to change it up, I might put fresh herbs on top, Maybe I would change up the cauliflower into another type of vegetable. I think it would taste really good with a sweet potato, um, maybe even snap peas. I'd probably change up the vegetable if I was getting bored.
0: Yeah, and that's easy, and it would all kind of taste similar enough that you know it's going to be good still.
1: Definitely. And the other thing I love to do I think, like burrito bowls. They're so simple. You make a grain, you put some beans in, whatever
0: veggies you want, you put a bunch of cheese on there, great. Problem solved so easy. Yeah. And I feel like it's a good way to use up those vegetables that you have in the fridge that For are sure. kind of starting to go, or you just, you know, <laughs> need to dump whatever you've got on hand. In
1: there. Yes. There is one recipe now that you bring it up that uses all my leftover vegetables. Ooh. It's literally just, you take, you get whatever type of tortillas you enjoy. I have celiac disease, so I use corn, uh, or it, like sometimes Brooklyn has fancy ones like quinoa, you know, we have all that That stuff here. Yeah. Um, So I get whatever tortilla that I like. I basically saute whatever veggies are in my fridge. I mix them with a can of vegetarian refried beans because I don't eat pork. And then I just spread that that mixture on the tortillas, sprinkle with some cheese, fold them in half, and bake them for 10 minutes. And that's it. That's so easy. It's so easy, and it's so delicious, and it uses up all my leftover vegetables every time.
0: Yeah. I, that's what I love about quesadillas is they're just so easy and you can throw whatever you've got on hand in there. That sounds so good. Um, so maybe this is, since you're an intuitive eating dietitian, maybe this wouldn't be so different, but is, is there a way that you would eat? Well, how would you eat if you could eat anything or any way that you'd want, um, with no cap on that? That's such a funny question. You're totally right. I think because I,
1: I practice intuitive eating. I think I probably already eat exactly how I, how I want to eat, but I will say if I had a choice, I wouldn't have celiac disease and I would eat gluten. Uh, because I really miss, I really miss real pizza and bagels and I would love to eat them again. So if, if we're making wishes, that is my wish, but otherwise I think, I think I pretty much eat exactly, exactly how I'd like to eat. You know, I think there's so much good gluten free pizza out there, but gluten is the reason that pizza and bagels have that delicious doughy texture. Yeah. And that you can't replicate without gluten. You really can't. There's no amount of like arrowroot starch or tapioca that could possibly make that happen in the same way. And so even though there's so many good options, I miss that bagel consistency, that real, I'm in New York, so I miss that good New York bagel and the good New York slice of pizza. You just can't replicate it.
0: Yeah. But I guess the good, and actually now I'm thinking about it, my cousin was eating gluten-free and she lived with um, me for a little bit. And we like just all ate gluten-free at that time. And there's, the good thing is there's lots of options there, but yeah, like you said, it's not, it's not quite the same.
1: Yes. I mean, definitely the options are far better now than when I was diagnosed and I, I never feel lacking, but if they can make some gluten-free pizza that, that has that doughiness, I'm here for it.
0: Oh yeah, that is, that's, it's difficult to replicate for sure. Um, okay. So how about let's talk into kind of practicality, like practical terms here. Do you have any favorite cooking or meal hacks that really make cooking easier? Yes rice cooker. The rice cooker is
1: the best thing that I've ever bought. It's like $10, the one that I have. And it means that I can just put the grains in, put the liquid in, and it turns off when it's done. And I don't have to learn how to cook it properly, because I never seem to be able to cook grains (laughs) properly, no matter how many times I try. And you can make quinoa in there, you can make rice in there, you just put it in there with the liquid. And that way, while that's cooking, I can do other things like prep the rest of the meal or even just like batch cook them while I do my laundry.
0: That's really smart. I didn't really... So are there other grains that you can cook in your rice cooker or do you mostly just do quinoa and rice? Mostly I do quinoa and rice. I imagine
1: as long as it's not a really sticky, super sticky grain, you could do it. I I really think you could even do a sticky grain because I see people make sushi rice in their rice cookers. Oh. Um, so honestly... I. I think you could probably put any grain in there as long as it fits when it expands.
0: Yeah, oh, that's really cool because my thing is um, I don't like equipment that just does one thing, but that in itself is more than just a rice cooker. So that's worth it. And definitely it, for $10. And I think it was you know, Ten
1: dollars, So I was like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of things that cook rice, like an instant pot you could use as a rice cooker and does function in other ways, but I just have never had like $70 to throw at the instant pot. So the rice cooker is the way
0: to go. Well, and to with, you know, I mean, is your main grain rice,
1: not always, but, okay. yeah, I mean, in in you know, I think because I can't eat a lot of other types of grains, like, rice becomes one of the bigger staples. Quinoa makes its
0: way in there a lot. For sure, yeah. Any other hacks or cooking tricks that make things easier for you?
1: Hmm, so rice is <laughs> for sure my favorite. I think well uh, one thing that I tend to do a lot that really motivates me is when I buy my vegetables, sometimes I'll cut them up right then and there, even if I'm not ready to, to prep my meals. Because I often find that when I come home from work, I'm like, oh, I've got to cut all this stuff up. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and I don't want to cook. And so if I cut it up right away and put it in the Tupperware, then all I have to do is just dump it into whatever I'm, I'm making. And it, it prevents a lot of that laziness there for me.
0: Yeah, I do the same thing and it's it's so cliché, but it makes things so much easier because just looking in the fridge and seeing whole carrots or I cut up cauliflower today. I cut up a whole um head instead of just what I needed because I knew I'm not going to I'm not going to cut this up and use it as often as I would want to because yeah, of like the I'm cutting not part.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they make them pre-cut. So if you're willing to shell out that money, And you want to get them pre-cut, you can totally do that. But if you can't afford it, cut it up when you get home, and that's another way to make it easier.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And I think there's just lots of options there along the lines. And honestly, I feel like, so if you're going to cut up a little bit of of it in that moment, might as well just do more because you're going to save time and it's not spending a whole lot of extra time in that moment, too. Definitely. And I also will
1: say that it's great to save the like the bottoms of things like broccoli and cauliflower and the the peels of onions because you can make stock out of it. And you just shove it in the freezer until you've got like a free weekend and you can make some veggie stock that you can freeze and use in other dishes.
0: Yeah, I need to do that. Um, I feel like I have enough of those, but I just don't save them. But I've heard multiple times I made chicken stock, but not veggie stock. That sounds harder. <laughs> oh, no. You just throw a carcass into into water and some aromatics and you're good to go. Oh,
1: perfect. Well, next time I come across a carcass, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Something you probably <laughs>
0: didn't expect to say in this podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let's um, talk a little bit. So another thing that a lot of us experience when we're cooking for one is loneliness Surrounding mealtime, so whether, you know, you might have, like, different schedules than roommates or, you know, which I've had are also, like, don't necessarily get along really well with roommates and don't spend a lot of time together. Or if you live alone, getting home after a long day and then cooking and then eating by yourself isn't necessarily something to look forward to. Have you found anything to make cooking for yourself and or eating by yourself something to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, I love eating. So I'm excited to eat no matter
1: what's happening, where I am, who I'm with, I'm excited to eat the food. Yeah. Um, and I think making sure that you have pleasurable food that you really enjoy is super important to making the eating experience exciting, no matter whether you're alone or not. Um, and really allowing yourself to have foods that feel like decadent and, and enjoyable to you. Um, and, and you know what, I know that they say, that it's a big thing not to eat distracted but if you're feeling lonely and it's gonna help you feel happier around your meal time to have a little bit of a distraction like watching a movie or playing a game on your
0: phone it's not the end of the world to do that i do that oh me too and i i feel the exact same way and i I haven't talked about it through this perspective but i think i think it's about time that i say what we talk about why but that's exactly it you know um if it's, if it's going to make eating more enjoyable for you and, you know, I mean, that's something that we all deserve to eat food that we like, at least at some mm-hmm. point in our life, hopefully a little bit more than not. But if that's going to make a big difference then that is definitely more helpful than eating mindfully and paying attention to every bite literally all the time. Cause that's boring. <laughs>
1: yeah. And you know what? It's lovely to eat mindfully and savor every bite but sometimes you're bored and that's okay. You know, you can savor some of the bites and the other bites you can watch Brooklyn nine, nine on your, on your computer, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's such a good show. I need to get back into watching it. (laughs) Do you have any other like shows or, um, I don't know, music or podcasts or anything that you really like to. Oh my gosh. There's so many
1: where to begin. (laughs) I I will say watching great, the great British baking show is one of my biggest joys. It's Uh, so lovely. They're so nice to each other. They're so, like, polite and friendly, and they're just such good bakers, Mm -hmm. and that's just a really nice show to watch while you're eating because you're getting to enjoy food while you watch other people, like, enjoy making food, and I love that.
0: I never would have thought of that. That's cool. Okay. That's a great (laughs) idea.
1: And I'm not saying that you have to watch TV while you're eating. I know people might be like, well, I've been told not to turn on the TV because I'll eat mindlessly, but it's, it's totally okay. If you're feeling lonely and it's impacting your meals and you want to watch some TV, that's totally
0: fine. Totally agree. Yeah. I don't think we need to, I don't think there's anything more to say other than, well, yeah, I I totally agree. Do you have any, do you listen to podcasts or to music at all when you cook or anything?
1: I do. I really love listening to classical music, actually. And I know oh, cool. that that's like, that's like, so I feel like that's so bougie, but it's. <laughs> I just really like it. It reminds me of my grandparents um, and my uncle, who is a, a professional cellist who taught at Juilliard. I just really like it. Um, I think my favorite podcast to listen to right now. Um, there's one called And That's Why We Drink, and it's like a paranormal neat murder mystery podcast Ooh. and that's been very entertaining for me right now.
0: Oh, I have not heard of that. I, that I wanted to get to talk about podcasts cause I'm just, I'm kind of obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, any other like insight into cooking for one that you found helpful?
1: Oh, I think those are my best tips that you, <laughs> that you got out of me. They I were will say, so you know, if you're, it's, if you're someone that cooks and eats alone, frequently it can be really awesome to sometimes break out of that and invite people over for dinner Um, just even if they're bringing their own dinners or invite someone over for lunch or eat with someone because it is very important to have people around and enjoy your food with others So maybe try to try and mixing that in so that when you are eating alone it feels really special and not like it's just something that you have to do all the time
0: that's such a good point. And I, I don't think I've talked to anybody about this on the podcast, but I totally agree. Because a lot of people that I talk to, they're, you know, they like cooking for others, but not necessarily for themselves. And like you said, like you don't have to make the whole meal. I have potlucks, so I don't have to be in charge of everything. And it's, yeah, nice perfect. To, and it's, and it's a kind of a fun way to get to know people based off of what they make you know, Definitely. and it's like not, you know, not judging people for like, you know, whatever level that they're at, but it's, you can see people's personalities through what they bring, which is, which is fun. That's so true. Yeah. So that's such a, such a good point to bring up. I like that you brought that up. Cool. Well, it was so good talking to you and you, um, and if people want to follow you like on Instagram, could you share your Instagram account?
1: Yes. My Instagram account is Rachel R D at Instagram. It's just my first and last name with my credentials right after it. Uh, and I promise I will be posting more on it. I'm a bit of a grandma. So <laughs> I haven't been super active, but I will be.
0: Yeah. It's, it can be a lot at times and you have, um, what do you share on your Instagram usually? Usually it's like
1: intuitive eating type stuff. So mostly relationship with food. I try not to share too much of what I'm actually eating because I feel like it can become a a comparison game or or making people feel in some way that they need to be eating similarly. But I do sometimes share like if a vegetable looks really pretty, or if I ate a a really delicious meal, I might share that as well.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So definitely follow Rachel and kind of and learn from her intuitive eating expertise and and we also the last episode last week's episode is all about intuitive eating and we talked about that so yeah thanks so much for joining me it was really a joy to talk to you absolutely it was so much fun thanks for having me yeah bye bye Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at, in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.